This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. This is your host, Darren Hood. Thank you for taking the time to join us on today. And as always, a very special welcome to those of you joining us for the first time. We are beginning a new series. I've got one guest. I'll introduce my guest in a moment, but let me clue you in as to what we're going to do. There have been a lot of conversations about this topic, and I thought it'd be really great to share some insights and, and uh, about it. And so I've got several people. We're going to start off with my guest today. And I've got several other people queued up to join us after this. And we're going to be talking about the UX hiring dynamics, different things that go into job seeking, different things that go into if you're a hiring manager, things that might impact you on that side. We just want to talk about the world of UX employment from A to Z, East, West, North, South, Northeast, Southwest, <laughs> whatever. We're, we're going to talk about all different types of things, a huge hodgepodge, if you will, trusting that we're going to say something across all these podcast episodes that are going to help people. If you're looking for a job, we want to give you insights. If you're looking to hire, we want to give you insights. If you already have a job and you're trying to manage up or you're trying to understand how to optimize your, your function as a UX professional, we want to address that. Getting of the job is one thing. Functioning in the job is another. We want to cover it all, and we know these things are hot topics on people's minds. All that said, uh, today, to help us kick off this topic, I've got with me the author of Make Your Customers Dance, one of my, my fellow alums from Kent State University, one of my, one, one of my dearest UX compadres, if you will, uh, Mark Majors. Thank you, Mark for joining us on today. And for those who may not be familiar with you, let's take a couple moments and have you go through your, your intro. Sure. Thank you, Darren. It's an honor to be here again. So yes, my name is Mark Majors and thank you for that excellent intro to get everybody pumped up about this topic today. <laughs> and yes, I, I have authored a recent book called Make Your Customers Dance. And it was all about user experience and understanding how that fits into the agile process. And just like you, I've been in this space for over 20 years and started with web design, <laughs> worked my way through what it was called usability and then user experience. And I have been, had the opportunity, I've been the hiring manager when I was over at the Cleveland Institute of Art, which was right at the kind of that cusp of starting user experience. And then I've been on two hiring teams mm -hmm. where I had to build up a UX department and most of the time it was from scratch. So you have to really understand how on both sides, if you are looking for a position, what are some of the things you'd be thinking about? And yep. then if you're a hiring manager or part of a hiring team, how do you find the best talent that's going to actually help gel with your team and push user experience forward at your organization? Yes. And there is a lot to that 
it sounds like it just could be part of any other hiring practice, just like I'm hiring any other position. But there actually are a lot of nuances, yep. especially yep. since you know and our audience knows user experience can go in many directions. Is it research? Is it testing? Is it design? What part of that echelon are you hiring for? And how also, when you're hiring, do you have a plan in place so when that person comes in, they have room to grow? And to me, that's always one of the top things that I'm thinking about if I am on the hiring team. But then also, if you're looking for a job, I would imagine you want that too. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I'm looking forward to this to see what, what you're going to address here. And I, I'm going to, I think last time you were on, I talked too much. So I'm going to make sure <laughs> I don't talk too much. <laughs> this, I, we get stirred up. I, I think we all do. We I, I get stirred up sometimes, uh, but I know you're going to have a lot of fantastic stuff. And you let me know that you got some things that you want to address. We're going to ride with that. And I think that, I, I think the people I've got lined up have a, a, a lot of fantastic stuff to say. I'll have my opportunity to say things, but feel free. Let's go down your punch list and let's address those topics. I'll chime in from here to there, but we're sort of going to flip it a little bit. You've got the, you've got the con for the Star Trek folks. You've got, (laughs) you've got the con. (laughs) And so let's go, let's go. What what do you got first? How do you want to start this off, Mark? Sure. So for me, we talked about this at, you know, the onset of this podcast is that whether if you're hiring, if you're going to be part of the hiring team or the hiring manager, there are things that you need to think about when you're bringing people in. And then if you're the person that's applying, you should be thinking about it. But for me, for both sides, the way I always break it down is there's a before, there's a during, and there's an after. Mm-hmm. So before, let's start with the hiring manager side. Before you're hiring, are you thinking about, do you have the right job posting information. Have you, <laughs> have you thought about the title, the description of what you're putting out there? Oh boy. Have you looked at other positions that you might be competing with that's out there? Cause many companies seem to put out lingo that is specific to their company. And then everyone looks at it and goes, Oh yeah, I think I'm qualified for this. Or I don't know what this means. That's I think step one. I think the other thing is, have you worked with your HR team? to make sure that your job families within your company, you've thought about how you can move from a, if you were hiring at a very junior level, how that person can rise. If you are hiring at that senior level, if you're going to bring somebody in because you really need someone to come in at that level, that person immediately is to start going to go, okay, where can I go from here? So have you thought about what's after that? And I think when you're hiring, you then also have to make sure that your hiring team, have you properly prepped your hiring team? Do you know what methodology you're going to use? Because every company seems to have one that they they favor. If you don't have one, you should probably come up with one before you start hiring (laughs) because it will be a team effort. You're going to want all these different angles, just like you're doing anything in user research. You can user research the user research hiring process or the UX process. So it's, one of those things where you need to have that in order and then figure out how you're going to first screen candidates. And are you going to work with an outside firm? Are you going to work with your internal HR agency? 
So there are a lot of things that you have to figure out before you even decide to go out there. And it just isn't putting out the specific job posting. There's many things you have to have in order because while you're interviewing someone, they're going to be asking you questions about that structure. And you don't want anybody around the table to look at each other and go, that's a really good question. <laughs> you have an answer for that, Bob? Absolutely. Wow. And wouldn't it be wonderful if everybody did this, what, what you're talking about? it? Because it seems like a lot of times people just hiring is this whimsical off like from the hip kind of a situation. I, I had a position once in my career where I found out I got into the position. I went to offer some UX advice in a meeting one day and everybody started looking at me like I was crazy and come to find out I sat and I reported directly to the, to the CTO when I worked in that role, we were having a conversation one day and he told me how my position was born. And it was the direct opposite of everything you said, you just said. He said that the, the owner of the company, the privately owned company, the person came in, they were having some conversation about their, their website and their, their internet offerings. And he said, good, let, let's hire a person to take care of our websites and walked out. Let's hire a UX person and walked out. That's all the work that went into producing this position. And then people sat around and they, they spitballed a job description. They put it out there. Very early in my career, I saw this, got excited. And I really feel for people who see job descriptions there. And, and you get excited and you have no idea how much work has gone into that job description and, and but when you're looking for something, we, we, we don't realize how biased we are when we're trying to find a uh, an opportunity and how gullible we are, how overly eager we are. There's even a, a strong hint of toxic positivity that comes along with that. And I come in there and find out that it was an absolute joke eventually and I, I got out because it's like, okay, nobody should have this job. It was absolutely amazing. And I had the opportunity. There was a 24 hours of UX event that occurred back in June. And I'm going to have to look back and let you know, Darren, but I know there was a speaker that really spoke heavily about making sure you get all your ducks in a row before you hire and job titles. But there were some things that were mentioned that I, I think are also improvements for the future. And I, I've seen many changes that are happening, but I still think there needs to be a long way to go when you're posting a job about yes. you know, what's salary requirements and prerequisites. I think there's still many things that aren't level across the field when you're trying to understand, especially as someone that's putting out a position yes. and you're reviewing, you know, there is another component of, you know, glass door reviews and, and referrals within that that you have to take into account if you're a hiring manager, knowing what's being said out there. So there, there's a lot involved, but that's just, we're just even on the before, you know, right. so we're just talking before you even post that there's a lot of late work. And like you said, there, there is a lot that goes into it. And if you want to find the best candidate. Yeah. Yeah, I, sometimes I'm I'm convinced that people don't. 
I'm and you see he sort of people you can't see him. He just threw his hands up. I don't think people. A lot of times, people seem to be more interested in filling a seat than actually having a concentration on the amount of quality that's going to be sitting in that seat. I'm I'm firmly convinced that a lot of companies that it's all about. I mean, recruiters want to check a box. Um, people are being pressured. I've heard about these conversations. They're they're being pressured. Have you filled that your that role yet? And it happens over and over and over again. And so the pressure to fill the role mounts to an extent, to such an extent, that the person eventually, no skin in the game from a UX perspective, they don't care how the UX team is impacted in a lot of instances, and they just they just fill the seat. Well, I would tell you, I grew up in Cleveland my entire life. And if you are a Cleveland sports fan, the only way that teams have ever built anything up has been through farm leaks, through young talent. Mm -hmm. So for me, my first interactive agency, you know, 20 plus years ago, we had an intern program. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. So every place I've ever worked at, there's been some form of an intern program. If there isn't an intern program, I formed it. So where I'm currently at, I formed the UX intern program there Nice. Uh, prior to that and prior to that. I think one of the things that if you are a hiring manager and you're really seriously thinking about, I guess the opposite of what you said is you really want some <laughs> candidates that are, or quality is considering putting some effort into that intern program because then you can bring someone in, have them understand the field because just as Debbie Levitt has said, maybe this is something you don't want to do. Maybe you realize <laughs> halfway through, you're like, no, yeah. maybe, maybe I need to go do something else. So I think it gives an opportunity to learn and then have that chance for you as well as the hire managers to say, yes, this, this is someone that we definitely want to come back and bring into our fold. And obviously you're going to have, that's another HR positioning, making sure you have the bandwidth to bring someone in. Yeah. However, that has been something that I found successful that helps this process as well. I want to play devil's advocate while supporting what you're saying at the same time. Uh, you just made me think about something that happened in my career. I had the, the one, what I thought was a wonderful idea on the same line of what you're talking about. It wasn't an intern program, but it was on that line. And I thought, it, I know that it's hard to find UX talent to find viable UX talent for several reasons. Uh, people are lying. People are trying to get, they're trying to pretend that there's something that they're not and trying to, trying to, to sell themselves as being qualified for something that they're not. And then they play these games and a lot of the people in this fake it till you make it mindset. And I, I, I've seen the, the headaches I've been a part of, uh, or I should say the victim of the headaches trying to hire somebody when you really don't get the candidates and you know they're out there. You've met them. You've seen them. You know they're out there. And I said, you know what? I got, I got an idea. And I created an internal UX certification program. It was three-tiered. It was The first tier was for current practitioners to help people who were already on the team to level up their skills. So, Because I worked with people, and they, maybe they were heavy on the visual design side. Maybe they need to know about more about information architecture. They they've been doing research, but they've been they've been doing it whimsically. They don't really know. They've never been trained. They didn't read it. They didn't have any books. They didn't have anything. 
They just, they know what research is in general. And so they went and they just were spitballing everything. So I said, well, we can, we can level up everybody's research skills. We can level up people's information architecture skills. We can level up their interaction design skills, their usability and heuristic skill. We can level up all of these things. I, de- I designed, the, the curriculum had 11 courses in it. The practitioners could take all the courses. That's the first tier. The second tier was for stakeholders because your UX maturity will go no further, I have found, than the status, the mindsets, the support of your internal clients and stakeholders. So there were four or five classes that the internal stakeholders could take. That would help us to speak the same language. That would help them to understand what our processes are. That would help to to build more of a kumbaya between the <laughs> between the UX teams and the stakeholders and executives and or any anybody who who felt that they wanted to take those courses. The third tier was on the same line of what you mentioned. Build an internal farm, an internal farm system. People who are how better, how much easier could it be to find talent than to grow it from within? Find people in the company who have an interest in UX. Have them tape, and they had seven or eight courses that they had to take. Of course, they had to get the approval of their manager, but we could grow in-house talent. And I'm thinking, I'll be at this company for a while. I'll, I'm going to deliver the classes. I have an instructional design background. I, I can build all these classes. I can design them from scratch. We can put people through them, and, and we can build this talent, and we can make this thing work. It was great on paper. I think, does that sound great on paper to you? Mark, do you? <laughs> that sounds, that sounds about right. I've actually done something very similar. Okay. Well, <laughs> well, I ran into a problem. And the problem was that there were people in the company who wanted to steal the idea. There were people in, who were coming into the program who still couldn't shake that microwavable mindset. And they were trying hmm. to grow too fast. They didn't want to go through the courses. They wanted to... They wanted to just go to one or two and then slap UX in front of whatever their current title was and join the UX department. So they wanted to move too fast. They didn't, they didn't respect. They, they wanted to treat it like it was like a UX, like it was a trade and not a profession, you know, putting a difference between the two. And we value trades, but this is not auto mechanic school. This is not, <laughs> this is not air refrigerator repair person. Uh, that's not what UX people are, those those three o'clock in the morning commercials that we see in the States. So it, it, there were other things that happened, and then I ended up leaving the company also. But some, there are some things. I think it's a great idea that both of us had. You can't always execute it. The company's got to support it for anybody yeah. out there who hears I, this. Like, I like that. I'd like to do that. Make sure you've got the support of your leadership. Right. Definitely get the support. We, that's that's that four step is get the support. And I've actually had the opportunity to do a similar thing. Uh-huh. It was more around awareness, but those that are, that can show up and they start going to your sessions and your classes, then you can identify, well, maybe that could be someone that might want to come into a rotational program, or maybe yeah. that's someone that may want to, you know, come in and, and do some work for us. And then well, I've had a couple in my past that moved from perhaps QA or they came, you know, as from another area mm-hmm. and they had a very specific focus, but I mean, that's, that's a lot of the work that you're doing before. And then when you're, when you're during that process, when you're hiring those individuals, you definitely, once again, need to follow through what you 
had laid the groundwork for. So if you all agree among some specific method where you can be comparing notes, I always had a best practices. The minute someone finished the interview, I would type up my thoughts about that individual candidate. You know, Mm -hmm. what are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? What were the things that they brought up that could really help propel the organization forward? And then you're comparing that notes with everyone else. Mm -hmm. But it is... It is a process and you do need to work with your most organizations. If you're a large organization, you already have an HR department that's, that's going to handle that. If you're a smaller organization, then it probably will be you that will be (laughs) handling that. Right. And then, you know, once, once you bring them on, here's the other key. And this took many times. If you're the hiring manager or part of the hiring team, how good is your onboarding process? Are you just putting someone in a seat and saying, yeah, take care. <laughs> or, or have you put together what they're, what they're going to be doing? And I'm not talking for the general company process. I'm talking specifically right, right. for the user experience process you bring them into. Are they, you know, have you gone through everything that your, your group represents and are they clear of where things are located and how you operate things? Because Every organization, as you know, Darren, Mm -hmm. operates differently. And it's an interesting thing if you come in with ideas you've tried somewhere else and you're not fully onboarded, you can actually have a setback. And then it may take you some time to adjust. So I think onboarding also, it's, I always compare it to the fish in the bag. You know, yeah. if, if, if you're going to put a new fish into a fish tank, you're supposed <laughs> to put it into a bag and let them in there yep. for just a little bit before you release yep. them. Oh man. But a lot of companies just go, boop, go inside the tank. And <laughs> you may not make it. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. And I've, of course, as my LinkedIn profile shows, I've been at a lot of companies and, and I love the point you just made. And I'm starting to see this. I'm going to retitle this. I wasn't sure what I was going to call this series, but I am sure now in this whole UX employment life cycle, bing, 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 there it is. In this whole UX employment life cycle mindset, the, the hiring piece, you know, how are you presenting, how are you presenting your brand? How, and have you piggybacked on the perception of the brand and use that the way that you're presenting this spot on your team. Then when you hire the, then how do you represent the team during the interviewing process? I love the thing you mentioned about somebody asking a question and nobody knows because nobody can answer the question because nobody's prepared. And, and I went to a, to an interview once where the person came into the interview. I got so many stories I could tell. Of course, the person came into the interview and I thought this was going to be a dream job. So I thought, me, I, me, I thought that. I come into the interview and God knows people need to fix their interview processes because it's like, how many hoops you got to jump through? Uh, There's there so many terrible things that are happening. I know that's going to come up during this series, but I'll just tell this one story here for the moment. There's, I interview with four or five people individually. This one particular person that I interview with, never mind the fact that none of these people were on the same page. None of them were, were on the same page. This person comes into the interview, and the first thing she says is, <sighs> the first thing that comes out of her mouth is a sigh. The second thing is, I am not ready for this. 
Okay, there's red flag number two. I'm I'm excited until I see her. <laughs> so until I meet her. And she says, I just don't know what to ask you. I am not prepared. Red flag number three. Then I remembered something, and here's a note for candidates. I usually you usually get a list of who you're going to interview with in, in many instances. And so I get a chance to go to LinkedIn, look this person up. I want to learn something about this person that will help me to engage with this individual when I have a picture of who they are. I had failed to do that for that particular interview. So I got the person's name now. And let me let me go in because this person is doing a lot of really weird stuff. So I bring up the person. I've got multiple monitors here. So I bring up the person on LinkedIn. The person, it was their first UX role ever they don't know how to interact with ux they don't know what ux is they probably should not have been a part of the interview process i have no idea whose idea that was and and, and i'm gonna uh this is sort of a sidebar comment on what i'm getting at here this whole we got to give people a chance mantra that's going on in ux is a farce i've never seen any i've heard i hear a lot of people talking about it I've never heard anybody or seen anybody execute it based on what it should be. Is it okay to give somebody a chance? Yeah, I'm all for giving somebody a chance. Asterisk. It, it depends on what you mean by that. This person was in a role, back to the this, this conversation, this person got a chance. This person never did UX a day in their life, never went to school for UX, didn't go through any programs of any type. Somebody just decided that they needed a chance. Apparently, and the person is in this role, they didn't prepare for the role, I'm sure. They're not prepared to talk to me. We can't have a conversation about UX because they don't know anything about UX. So that conversation went nowhere. And and it was just really sad that my my mindset of thinking that this was going to be a dream scenario all got shot down because somebody failed to see that you need to be careful who you put in front of candidates because it's going to it's going to either help reinforce their mindset toward the company or it's going to completely blow it up. And by the time that whole thing was over, I'm like, I went from dream scenario to complete nightmare. And she was part of it. So folks need, I, I can't stress what Mark has already said enough, that you got to put the effort in. I mean, UX your you your candidate process, please. Right? You even put you brought up a really good point though. It's me even during your preparation and and then when you're actually conducting the interviews, you should come with a common set of questions or at least know that this interview is going to be asking these questions, they're going to be asking those questions. Here are a common set. And one of the key questions that I found being part of a hiring team is simply seeing is are they thinking about the end user? So yeah. are, you've probably yes. seen this there and, you know, like uh, we used to have this exercise where we're like, you know, draw me a pool, you know? So they would draw the pool and they'd have this slide with gold and, you know, there'd be, you know, hand gliding. And then we finally say, well, who is this for? Oh, it was for me. Oh, well, <laughs> Did you ask who, who the, uh, who the pool was for? So it's one of those things where, you know, part of your process, you can build in questions 
that allow you to understand, you know, are they, are they in that mindset? Mm-hmm. And you know, those are, those are simple things. There's probably many of those that if you look as you're preparing to do a job interview, if you're someone that's going to be the interviewee, but as a hiring team, you should have things in place like that. So you can properly address and understand where people's their, their own level is when it comes to understanding of, of user experience, even if their resume and everything else is strong, they're still, it's still good to check. Absolutely. Absolutely. Man, I'm, so, I mean, so many stories are starting to come to mind. <laughs> oh, yeah. we, we, we could probably <laughs> we could, write a book on that. Yeah, we, should, probably. we should go together on it. I mean, it's own, just, uh, it's yeah. amazing. I want to I want to jump back to that that example. I just thought about something else when you said that. I mentioned how that nobody was on the same page. Mm-hmm. That person didn't know anything about UX. Didn't have any questions put together because they they couldn't. Even if they had, you giving them a week, they still wouldn't have had any questions. I mean, I, and I speak I say that facetiously. They would come up with something. How about how substantive would those questions have been? Probably not. How pragmatic would they have been? Probably not very much. So, uh, one of the people I talked to was an expert. They were high level. He would have been my boss. He was fantastic. Then I meet with another individual who everybody was talking about how great I heard about this one person. If you get, if you win this person over, you're all set. You're, you're going to get the position. I talked to the person. He's going gaga over me. I'm thinking, good. That's the guy they said that this is going to be the biggest hurdle. And he's like enamored with me. And he said, yeah, Darren, we need somebody like you on this team because frankly, the direction of our UX team is going completely south. We're doing things wrong. And we need somebody like you that can help us to right the ship because our ship is in great danger right now. So I'm thinking, okay, good. So then I went from that interview mm-hmm. to the one with the with the person. The one. And I'm going, okay, we just went from cloud nine to the center of the earth. I mean, like in 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 uh in sixty seconds, we 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 spanned all that space and went that far down. Uh and then we go to the group interview and we get to the group interview where the the creative director is in that meeting and she walks out twenty minutes into my interview and then scolds the recruiters for even having brought me in to be interviewed. And it wasn't because I did anything wrong. Now, this is the same person who approved that last person that I interviewed with for their job. And when you start to look at, I, the person, other person told me, when he told me that the, the team was going off the rails, he, he told me some of the, gave me some examples as to what he meant by that. And that was all the brain trust of, or, or the, the baby of that creative director that walked out of my interview. So this is the person who's giving people a chance. And that's why I don't like to give it, give people a chance mantra because you're giving somebody a chance who brought nothing to the table. Now you're interviewing a people or a person who's bringing the world to the table from a UX perspective. And you detested my being in that interview so much that you basically took the HR recruiters out and flogged them all for having brought me in. What's wrong with me versus the other person that brought nothing to the table? And I found out what it was. And I've said this before, and this is a problem. Companies, if you want to get your hiring together, you got to make sure that your department is structured properly. This, this whole bring a person that doesn't know anything about UX and make them the head of the UX team t- stuff, that's got to end. If hiring is going to improve in UX, can it be done? Yes. 
Usually, it's not very well done at all. That creative director had zero experience in UX, was the, the visual designers, creative directors, art directors in my history, and developers are some of like the worst enemies of UX and especially of experienced UX people. She walked out of my interview because she was threatened by me. Is, is what it all boiled down to at the end of the day. She brought in, she was bringing in people and none of them, not just that person that interviewed me that didn't bring anything to the table. I found out about more people on their team as well. None of them were a threat to her. None of them knew anything about UX. None of them were gonna change what she was trying to put together that was actually destroying their UX practice. It was imploding from within. So this kind of thing, and, and, and when I see company after company after company bringing in somebody who they, they might have some leadership experience, but they don't know UX, that must end. If, UX is, if we're going to write our ship, that needs to be curtailed. It needs to, I know some of them are, qual, are qualified to lead UX groups. They are. Let, let me make that clear. But um, the, what I have seen is really sad. And they're the ones that want to give people a chance while stepping on qualified people at the same time. So that just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. And, and so I'm giving wow. that, I'm calling that out today. Don't, you're going to walk past a person and they need a job. So you give them a chance. And then you talk to five people that are qualified and you tell them all to get lost. I don't understand that. That, that seems hypocritical. It doesn't make sense. And that whole invest a dollar and you get up to $250 in return only works if you do it right. <laughs> so if you, if you got a department full of give them a chance, people, you're not going to make that investment, that ROI. Well, you make some really good points. There. I mean, what's interesting is while, while you were talking, I think about, I started flipping the script. So I know we talked about, okay, now I'm from the hiring manager position, but now if I'm applying, if I'm actually that candidate, I was looking through your eyes thinking, okay, so you've done some prep. So you're going to be doing some work before you actually go into the interview, obviously looking for a position. You're looking at the, the job postings, but a couple of things I started thinking about was, are you going in with questions before you go into the interview? So mm -hmm. just as if you were the, on the hiring team, you should also have questions yourself. Some of those questions are exactly what you're hitting is, so tell me about your UX maturity. And you're not going to be asking that question, yes, yes. but you're going to be putting together some different questions that may poke at that. You know, you know, what tools do you have in place? What processes do you have in place? Tell me about how the organization is laid out. Yes. So it's like you've got the people, processes, and tools, which is one of the, the key factors of putting together a very strong UX organization, mm -hmm. but that's those that you're going to be doing that before. The other thing that I have told students and those that I've mentored is look at your resume. If you need to hire a resume writer, think about that <laughs> Yes, because <laughs> it is, it really is an art to get your resume to truly reflect what you have done. Mm -hmm. And coming from someone like myself, who I, I find challenged many times to articulate that because, you know, yeah. you're, you're just continually doing things. You're not really thinking about all the things you've done, but you have to write them in a way 
that can actually tout what you do. Mm -hmm. And then I also think that if you are applying for a position, do some research on that company. And like you said, you started looking up who are the individuals that are there and trying to understand if you are using a tool like LinkedIn, who are they connected to? Are you connected to any Mm -hmm. of them? Is there anyone where you can reach out and understand before you even decide to apply? (laughs) What is the environment? You know, how, how does that work? Because I think that's important. And then as you're putting that together, think about how you're represented as well, because how is your own website? How is your own, your social media? We are in, in a world now where everything is about self-promotion. How, how is, what is your, I guess, branding or vision of yourself? How yes. are you being portray, um, portrayed? Because when you're going to go through the hiring process, that's one of the first things that they're going to start looking at. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot you have to do before. Once again, on the other side as well, just like something called user experience. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) You you just made me think of something else I want to do. I've come across some folks who they, they're entry level people who it's usually, Hey, what can I do? I've had people literally write me. And if some of you who are listening to this, hear this, you'll hear, of further, uh, more details than what I shared with you. But I have people who reach out to me constantly. Hey, I'm, I'm getting started in UX. What do I need to do to get a job? I mean, and almost literally that is what they all say. And well, first you need to change your mindset because I want to get a job. That's what people do. They walk into McDonald's and say, Hey, I want a job. So you don't walk into a law firm and say, I want to get a job. You're going to end up being a janitor or something. You're not going to become a lawyer. The, the I, I always try to, I mean, we're not on the level of lawyers. We're not on the level of doctors. We know that. We get that. But one of the reasons why we constantly bring up lawyers and doctors and other fields like that is because there is one thing that is parallel between UX and those more finer tuned types of positions and accountants, things like that. Uh, and then there's some other examples that aren't as as high profile as those, I mean, hairdressers in some States, you got to have a certification to be a plumber. Um, do you, <laughs> or you, you know, I mean, plumbing is life and death and some companies realize that. And if you're not certified, you can't do work as a plumber in, in, in that state. And UX is, it takes, it is a very complicated, it is very broad. Let me say that first. UX is broad. I, I mentioned what I call the four pillars earlier. Uh, heuristics and usability, information architecture, research and interaction and interface design. Four different types of things that together, along with several sub-states, disciplines, methods, methodologies, techniques, all come to put, put together makes up UX as a whole. The question is, how much of that whole do you know? And you, you don't have to know all of it to get into UX, but it, it's what I'm getting at is that it takes more of a notion to start to work in UX. You don't just sit on the couch and say, hmm, I want to do that. And then you go somewhere and apply and you get the job. This is not fast food. That's usually the, the metaphor that I use. You can just walk into McDonald's or Arby's or White Castle or any of the other places, Taco Bell, whatever, and you can apply and you can get the job with no experience. It doesn't work like that in UX. This is, this is a... As mentioned earlier, for every dollar you invest, you get up to $250 in return. That's the potential value prop 
that comes along with every UX professional. And so for that reason, you're not just going to whimsically come across that. You could come up with some idea and just, and, and, and just, you know, uh, sneeze it out and, and it could happen. But could you do that every day? No, you wouldn't because that's why you have the research and you have all these other things, but we have to be very methodical, very calculated. And so it's going to take time to develop that. And so people come, Hey, so well, what do I need to do to get a job? So, well, you need to get prepared. <laughs> you need to be in a state of readiness. You need to, you need to be exposed to various aspects of the discipline. You want to find out, and you said something on this line, find out what makes you tick, find out which one of these things worked for you. You may find out, wow, okay, I thought UX was something else. I don't think I need to do that. That's fine too. There's 5 billion other uh, lines of work you can go into. Uh, Here's the one funny thing I want to mention, though, too, and I'm going to hand it back over to, to Mark. A lot of people coming into UX have forgotten one critical thing. And I've mentioned this in another situation. I don't think I've mentioned it on my show. When I was coming up, when I was a younger a younger pup, we were exposed to something. I'm assuming you were, too, when I'm about to mention, Mark. We were exposed to something called the Occupational Outlook Handbook. That's not, you, you ever heard that before, Mark? You ever seen that? They would take a group of us. 16 and 17 year olds and they would take us and I can't remember the name of this government uh, building we would go to and it's, it's available. It's still available today. I haven't looked at it recently, but it's still out there and you could say whatever it was a careers class and we would go and look at this occupational outlook handbook and you could look up any line of work and you look up the line of work and then you would see the definition of the work what kind of work these people do on a regular basis. And within that occupational outlook, they would tell you, this is what it takes to get into this field. This is what it pays. This is uh, how, what you can expect from a career longevity perspective. People are coming toward UX with absolutely no knowledge. And, and I wanna, I'm calling this out for one reason. Google graduated from that terrible program they have. Yes, it is terrible, and I'm on record as saying it, and I will never stop saying it, because it's terrible. It just is. It's it's an offense to education. Uh, it's an offense to people's common sense. It's an, it's a, it's an insult to the, to the intelligence of the people who enroll in the program. Can you recover from it? Yes, but I'd rather just steer around it. Why drive in the pothole when you can go around it? Uh, <laughs> you know, it just, it just doesn't make sense. And and do you and, and people fail to realize if you go through the Google program, I'll get to my point in a moment. When you go through the Google program, you become ineligible for any of their UX apprenticeship programs by their own decree. What do you think that says? Their own self commentary about their own program. If you go through their program, oh by the way, if you go through our program, you can't work for us. Have a nice life. That they're telling you that the, their program sucks without putting in writing that it sucks. But they say you can't be in this program if. My point is this, three over 300,000 graduates, tie that to occupational outlook. You, if you went and looked at, I know what the occupational outlook is. I know that entry-level positions in UX make up no more than 5% of UX job openings. Now, we just mentioned Google alone. We didn't mention uh, the other places, the people who tell you, oh, you don't have to pay us back until you get a job. And then they're going to milk your check dry. I, I can't remember the name of the company and I really don't want to mention them right now because I don't want to give them any free advertising. But they're, all of these graduates, there's somewhere in the vicinity of four hundred to 500,000 
globally vying for 5% of jobs in the UX market. And then these people, you see them all the time in social media complaining because they can't get a UX job. 5%. Did you get it? Let me say it again. 5%. There's, how many of you think 5%? <laughs> So that was one of the next things I was going to talk about was that go for it you know, during that preparation, you know, and I heard you comment on this, but once again, this is, we're just saying you're looking for a job. This is some of the things you should be doing before, you know, and if you're clamoring for that 5%, but you really do have to have some good examples yeah. and that, you know, that doesn't have to be, I mean, we've heard this. It depends on, you've got the four pillars, I guess. I don't know. I've got the, the, the trifecta. But it's, uh, you know, I've been saying research, design, and testing. Uh -huh. But depending on what echelon you're moving into, you're going to want to have some samples for us. So, I mean, yes, if you are more of the, you know, front-end coding, I guess positioning yourself in that way, you know, maybe you need to have a, a portfolio that represents that. Mm -hmm. But if you're in research, then you're going to have to tell a story of how you contributed to that and what were some of the artifacts. So, it does require you having some of these, and I call them samples, just because sometimes the work that you're representing, you really can't go into much detail as you'd like because yep. it may be proprietary, but you can have these samples ready. And it does allow the, on the hiring side, to ask questions about why you made decisions because most of what you're going to find throughout these interviews, whether you're the hiring manager or you're the person being interviewed is to really walk through your process because user experience is a process and you have to understand how you're merging into, if you're in an agile environment or waterfall of your, your wagile or scrummerfall, whatever, <laughs> whatever you call yourself, you're going to, it's going to be across that spectrum, but that's where a lot of that, that question is going to come from is to understand how you made decisions along that path. Yes. And like you said, it is life cycle. It's yes. a life cycle, not only for the person that's interviewing or the hiring manager, but also the process of user experience design or user-centered design. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. And I hate to start to draw this to a close, but I know that March time is limited today. This is Dynamite. And feel free to join us for another one of the segments uh, by all means, uh, Mark. But we're going we're gonna to begin to wrap it up. Begin to wrap it up here now. But this is, I'm looking forward to this series. And I think that we are going to cover a lot of ground. I, I'm, I'm hoping that we can even generate a uh, an infographic based on all the things that people are saying that we can provide. Because there are things here that not only new UXers need to hear, but seasoned UXers need to hear. Again, we're, we're running the gamut from people considering about transitioning in to, to new UXers, to mid-levels, to seniors, to leads, to people trying to get in the UX leadership. There's just a lot to be covered. Hiring managers, there, there's a lot that we need to cover because a lot of these things are, they're an enigma, frankly, to a lot of people in UX, and we need to eliminate the enigma they don't have to be an enigma. And so that that's our goal here to try to get some of this information out there that trustworthy information that people can rely on and use it to navigate 
their their time in these spaces. So thank you again, Mark, again, for taking the time to join me on today. And do you have any closing words, sir? Yeah, the only closing words is part of the discussion today. Just take a step back. Yes. Think about before, during, and after. If you're on the hiring side, think about how you can prepare yourself to have the most successful interview. Yes, depending on where your organization is, there's going to be many things you need to think about. And then while you're doing the interview, think about how as a team you can share knowledge and make sure that you can find the best candidate. And then when either you're jumping into a role or you're hiring, make sure you have that onboarding process ready to go. And then on the other side, if you're looking for a job, same thing, prepare yourself before, think about how you're positioning yourself. Do you have questions? Do you have some solid samples? Are you investigating the companies you're looking at? And then when you're in the hiring mode, when you're interviewing, same thing, ask questions, understand that both sides, because I've had many people tell me this throughout my career is you know, they're also interviewing you just as much as you're interviewing them to yes. see if there's a fit. <laughs> and then once you get hired, confirm there is some type of onboarding process. And if not, then it'll be responsible for you to start putting one together. Yes. So when the next <laughs> hires come through, they don't have to experience the amount of work that it took to get accustomed to your group. Absolutely. Absolutely. Fantastic stuff. So folks, take this to heart. This is this is gold. It's more than gold. It's titanium. It's, <laughs> it's more than gold. <laughs> uh, so... Folks, that is all the time we have for today. Thanks again for tuning in to the World of UX with Darren Hood. And we're going to continue to bring additional guests. We might have a couple of interludes here and there, but these people have a lot to offer and we're hoping that people take the time. It's time for truth to go viral. How about that? Isn't that a novel idea? (laughs) So uh, we're hoping that you get a lot out of this today and hope you enjoyed it. But we're done for this session. So until next time, this is Darren Hood, the host of The World of UX. Happy UXing, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.